Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. I'm going to just say this. This is, I wasn't even planning on saying this, but I just want those of you, especially our guests here to know, our church knows this, but I want to be known as one of the most inclusive churches for the special needs community. Um, I think all churches are welcoming to that. Uh, I don't, I don't, I've never met a church or been in a church that like didn't want the special needs community in the church. I think most churches are very welcoming. But I want to go above and beyond that. And I, I know part of it is because it's, it's our lives. It's, it's, it's who we are. We, we live with it on a daily basis, raising our precious, exceptional son, Seth. Um, and, uh, but we have our sensory room back there. And um, I've met many special, we, we let Bright Steps ABA uh, Behavioral Services there. They work with kids all across the Cape, all the way up to Provincetown and all the way um, out to Falmouth. Um, kids with autism and on the spectrum and things like that. They work with them, they work with Seth. And I told them, you use our building for free anytime you want. Um, because we want to be known. We, that's what we want to be known for. I remember I was talking to um, a, ch- a pastor who had planted the church that they were at, and he'd been there for many years. And he said, if your church closed its doors out of the blue, it just had to close its doors and shut down, would anybody in your community even know? Would, have you made any kind of an impact that would, if you had to close your doors, people be like, oh my goodness, Coastline had to close, that's terrible. Or if we close our doors, no one would even know, just like if a, you know, a Dollar General closed down or, or some no-name business that no one uses. I want to make such an impact that, God forbid, I hope not, but if our doors close, people would know that there's something missing in this community, especially for that special news community. I've met so many parents. We had a big Christmas party here back in December for Bright Steps. We had about 60 people here, probably 15, 20 special needs families here. I was here with Seth, and just seeing them be able to utilize the space, and they had Santa Claus up here, and it was awesome. And I told so many parents that day, you are welcome here. Your kid's making noise in church. It's not going to bother us. Listen, Seth just popped a glove. We don't care. There have been times when Seth will run right up here. I'm like, hey, that's just him worshiping. That's okay. It's not going to bother any of us. We welcome that. Amen, church? For our church people, yeah, we welcome that. We got that sensory room back there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. And I want our guests to know that. Maybe you have family. <coughs> Maybe you have friends, and, and they're looking for a church. I, I can't tell you. I worked. I was a youth pastor, full-time staff with a special needs kid. And I'll tell you, church is hard as a special needs parent. It's hard. And it's very, I was on staff, so I had to go. But I'll tell you, I can't tell me how many parents I talked to that they want to worship. They want to go and lift their hands and sing these songs. They just feel like they can't. They feel like if they go, people are going to be looking at them, watching them. They're going to feel bad. They're going to be like, oh, I don't want to distract people. We're okay. We're okay. Amen, Coastline? We're okay with that. Bring them. And uh, I want, if anyone listens to this message online, I want them to know as well that you're welcome here. Please, please come utilize the sensory room. We're going to be, one of our big plans for this new year is getting some video feed for the service in the sensory room. Um, And that's probably one of our biggest, most important priorities this year is doing that. So um, I just wanted to throw that in there um, because it just was on my heart. Uh, But I'm going to try to be shorter today. See, I already messed up. I've already been blabbering on for no reason. So that's not part of the message. It doesn't count. Um, We're we're in the Gospel of John, uh, but we're going to be starting in a different place this morning. Um, I'm not going to give any introduction, but we're going to jump right in the Scriptures this morning, and you'll understand why in a moment. 
We're going to go back to the Old Testament. I mentioned already that we're talking about the great I Am. And I want to go back in the scriptures to when this was mentioned. It's in Exodus chapter 3. And I'm going to have the scriptures on the screen in a moment. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Um, but we've been ta we're talking about the great I Am today. And we're going to go back to Exodus 3. And this is when Moses is out tending flocks. He's a shepherd now. He had left Egypt. He was raised in Egypt by the Pharaoh's daughter, uh, an Israelite, one of God's chosen people. Uh, the Pharaoh wanted to, to kill all of the babies uh, born of the Israelites, of the Jews at that time. And uh, Moses was saved by the providence of God um, and put in a little basket, floated down a river. And the Pharaoh's daughter, the king's daughter, the leader of this nation's daughter, found this little baby boy, Moses. And maybe you saw The Prince of Egypt, a great movie from, from way back when in the 90s. But that tells the story of Moses who grew up in the kingdom and then he left and uh, left them and said, I can't be here. I need to be with my people. And now he's a shepherd gone from the king, the Pharaoh's palace, now to just being a dirty old shepherd taking care of, of the flocks. And as he's there, and we'll read the scriptures, <laughs> Exodus chapter 3, I want you to see this photo. <clears throat> so you have a picture of what we're about to read about. Exodus 3 is when Moses sees this burning bush. God is in this burning bush that is on fire but not being consumed. And the scriptures say this in Exodus chapter 3 verse 1. We'll read several verses. Just bear with me. Stay with me this morning. And I promise you'll be helped this morning. It says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God even to Horeb. Verse 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. So here's this bush on fire. You can see the flames, but it's not burning. It's not burning. Now listen, I've burned a lot of cardboard in my day. And uh, I, one, one instance I remember, I had a big pile of cardboard, and I wanted it to burn really fast. And I, I did everything I know I'm not supposed to do. I'm not the king of fire safety. Now I am, but I wasn't then. And I put some gas on it to try to make it go faster. And I said, I'll just get really, I'll get a piece of newspaper and hold it nice and far away so that, you know, I'd, man, what a foolish idea. Knocked me right on my back. I lost my glasses. The lighter went somewhere, who knows, in the neighbor's yard. Thank you, Mercy, for laughing at my calamity. Appreciate that. I was really hurt. I burned my hand that day. Goodness gracious. But, but this, but I'll tell you one thing, all that car burned up easy. It was very easy to see. So did my eyebrows, okay, uh, that day. But here in the passage, we see this bush is on fire, but not burning up. In verse number five, uh, for, for, um, verse number three, and Moses said, I will now uh, turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Verse four, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God was trying to get his attention, by the way, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. By the way, isn't it amazing? He says that God did this burning bush and had this bush burning but not being consumed. And it got Moses' attention so that he turned to see. And then God began to speak to him. Sometimes in life... Things happen out of nowhere that we're not ready. Unexpected things happen. Things that may not make sense in our lives. And what it is, is it's God getting our attention. It's God doing something in our lives, in our situations, in our workplace, with our kids, whatever it may be. He's getting our attention so He can speak to us. Because He's about to change Moses' life. Verse number 5. And He said, draw not nigh hither. As in, don't come any closer. 
Put off the shoes from thy feet. Take off your shoes. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. It's holy because God is there. Moreover, he said in verse 6, I, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said in verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I told you that Moses, this Israelite, this Jewish, this Jew, grew up in the Pharaoh's house. But the rest of God's people, the Israelites, oh, they were slaves in Egypt. They were worked uh, day and night, long hours. Uh, they were under severe oppression, and they had been for years. God's chosen people who worship the one true God. And here they are uh, being led in, 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 in this dictatorship by these evil leaders, the Pharaoh, killing them and, and just under severe affliction and oppression. And God says to Moses, hey, I see my people. I haven't forgotten them. I haven't forgotten them. They may no doubt would be sitting there in Egypt in their tiny little huts after a long day of work in their tiny little homes thinking, where is God in all of this? Where is Adonai, they called him? Where is he? And, Mo, and God said, I haven't forgotten them. And by the way, God has not forgotten you this morning in your affliction. Verse number uh, 8, let's move along. And God says, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up <coughs> out of that land unto a good land and a large, uh, unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. All those funny ites are all the enemies of God. The people from Canaan, from uh, all these different places. And God's saying, I'm going to bring you into that land that's being ruled by other people, by my enemies. I'm going to give it to you. A land flowing with milk and honey. This beautiful land, the promised land. Verse uh, number 9. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me. I've also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse number 10. <clears throat> come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So God says, I've called you here, Moses. I've gotten your attention because I'm about to use you to do very big things for me. That's what God's telling Moses. Your, your people, my people are under oppression. They're in slavery. They're being uh, abused. And I'm going to choose you to go to the Pharaoh and let my people go. Hear that phrase? Let my people go. He's like, I'm choosing you, Moses. Verse 11, we see it says this, And Moses uh, said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? By the way, I, I know I've been there where Moses is. God Almighty comes to him in this miraculous miracle of this burning bush that's not being consumed, and God comes to Moses and says, I'm choosing you. I've heard the cry of my people. I'm choosing you to go. You're the one. Moses, I got your attention. And Moses still even seeing all these amazing things, hearing the actual voice of God, standing on holy ground, says, who am I, though? God doesn't make mistakes, does he? And Moses still is like, who am I? And by the way, this isn't even the message, but there's so much truth in here that that's, that's me sometimes. Sometimes I stand up here, sometimes I get here early and open the doors. I'm like, God, why do you have me doing this? I'm nobody, man. I'm just a skinny white kid from Holyoke. <laughs> That's it, man. I got nothing to give. 
I got issues. I'm not perfect. But God called me here. And you may be saying, God, why do you have me going through this situation? I can't handle this. I can't go. I can't, I, man, I'm not the one for the job. And God says, I got your attention, didn't I? I got your attention, didn't I? You're the one. I choose you. Moses says, who am I? Who, who, who am I that I should go into Pharaoh, go, go in front of this evil leader and, 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 and ask for, bring forth the children of Israel? Verse 12. And he said, God said, uh, certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Oh, I love that. Verse 13, Moses said unto God, again he says, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. <coughs> they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? So Moses says, Okay, well if I go to, to Egypt to, to talk to the Pharaoh, all, of your, all the, the Israelites and your people, they're going to say, Well, who sent you? Who sent you, Moses? You're just a shepherd from the hills. Who are you? He says, Who, who am I going to tell them? That sent me, in verse 14, pay attention, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. By the way, I know the, the text here, the font here for the verses is in all capitals. And I should have used a different font for this because in the scriptures, I am that I am is the only phrase in all capitals. It's a title. And he says, and he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And again, that, those words, I am, hath sent me unto you. Those words are in all capitals. It's the name of God. We're going to talk about this morning. Lord, we love you. Bless this message. Use it for your glory. Speak to hearts. Keep us free from distraction. I need you. And I speak the name of Jesus over these people this morning. Work a miracle this morning in someone's life. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I am on a 21-day fast right now. I don't really like it, I'll be honest. Okay, no sugar, no dairy, um, not really any carbs, and I kind of like those things, to be honest. I've gotten used to having them. I am on a 21-day fast. I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty warm up here. I mentioned last week it was freezing in here. Maybe you're cold again today. I, I had the heat cranked up. I don't know. We're, but either way, up here, I got this heater. I get really warm up here. I'm warm up here. I am hungry right now, probably because I'm on a 21-day fast, right? I am. If you're a grammar whiz, you know that I am is present tense. It's, it's, it's now. I was is in the past. Uh, I will is future tense. I am is present. It's, it's about now. Now when Moses first encountered God and was told by God to go and lead God's people out of slavery, like we read, he asked God what he should say if the people asked who sent him. And God told him, this is what you're supposed to say, I am that I am. I am hath sent me to you. And Moses had asked him, well, who is it? And Jesus, what did God say? I am that I am. Well, the question begs, well, I, I am what? That phrase, it, it almost seems incomplete, doesn't it? I am, I am what? When God speaks this, you know what it's saying? I am whatever you're going to need. The name of God, a verb, to, to be. I am, because God, hear this church, God always wants to be to you whatever your particular need is at that time. 
You're lacking peace? He says, I am your peace. You, you, you lacking strength? He says, I am your strength. I am your help. I am your guide when we don't know where to go or where to turn. I am your righteousness. I am your salvation when we are without hope, dying in our sins. I am your hope. Whatever you might be, God will become to you whatever is the need in your life. I am. The Hebrew word, the Aramaic word from the Old Testament, which the Bible was originally written in, the word of God is Yahweh. Y-A-H-W-E-H. Yahweh. In fact, the translators that translated the Bible into different languages and into English, that word Yahweh was so holy and sacred to them, they wouldn't even write it. They wouldn't even speak it. They added letters from the, the title of God, Adonai, and added the A, and added the E, and, 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 and made this name Yahweh, and, and it means the becoming one. I am the becoming one as God becomes to you whatever your need might be. God knows your greatest need, and he wants to fill that greatest need, and he is the fulfillment of your greatest need. He's your answer. But we're not in Exodus. We're not doing an Old Testament study, are we? We've been in 32 messages in the Gospel of John. So, Donald, why are you bringing us back to this passage of Scripture where God reveals His beautiful name, I am Yahweh, Jehovah God? Why are we going back here? Because in the book of John, we've been following the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come to earth, born in a manger, grew up. Now he's performing miracles. We've talked about him healing the blind man. We've talked about him uh, feeding the 5,000, walking on the water already. And in chapter 8, which we've been in, we saw uh, the Pharisees, these religious jerks, bring this woman caught in sin and adultery and throw her down in front of Jesus while he's teaching and say, the law says she should be killed. What do you say? And Jesus said, he who's up without sin cast the first stone. And we see Jesus beginning to try to teach these people, his own people, by the way, the Israelites, the Jews. And through the, through the chapter 8, we saw that Jesus said he was the light of the world and, and that the truth shall set you free. And he was telling them, I'm sent from God and, and, and I have a message to bring and you're not hearing me clearly. And, and last week we, we talked about uh, the lives of the enemy when he said, your, your father's not Abraham. You know, God's not your father. The, enemy, the devil's your father, he told these people there. He said, and the devil's a liar and anything he says is a lie and that's what you're doing. And we talked all about the lies of the enemy, and I hope that that message helps some of you this week, and you've tried to live in a way of speaking truth to the enemy's lies in your heart and in your mind. And then we get to this passage now. Jesus had just called these people out. He said, you serve your father the devil. Woo, that's a pretty strong statement. John chapter 8, we're in verse 48 now. We're finishing up chapter 8 today. And this is what Jesus says to them. John 8, 48. Then answered the Jews... And said unto him, because Jesus had just said, I'm sent from God, and you're not listening, and, 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 and I have a message, and, and they just weren't hearing him. Verse 48, then answered the Jews and said unto him, say, not, say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? They're insulting Jesus right now. The words, the Samaritan was a people group uh, from Samaria that were, um, the Jews hated them. They were enemies. They were half Jew and half the enemy of God's people. They called them, it was kind of like half-breeds to them. It was very, 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 very rude to say that. And Jesus had already reached out to the Samaritan people and loved them and shown them grace. And the Jewish people just didn't understand that. 
How could Jesus, a Jewish man, grown up in the house of Mary and Joseph the carpenter, how could he even talk to Samaritans? And now they're saying, you're, you're pretty much a Samaritan. You have a devil. You're demon-possessed with the crazy stuff you're saying. And Jesus says in verse 49, I am not a devil. I honor my Father, and ye do dishonor me. Verse 50, and I seek not mine own glory. He's like, I'm not doing this for show. I'm not doing this to make myself look good. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verse 51, verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Verse 52, then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast a devil. Now we know you're crazy, Jesus. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never uh, taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham? Uh, which is dead, and the prophets are dead, who, make, who makest thou thyself? They say, who do you think you are, Jesus? You're talking about if, if people heed your sayings, they'll never see death. Abraham, who was kind of like, you know, we have the forefathers of our nation. You know, we talk about Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, things like that. Abraham was that for them. Abraham chosen by God in the Old Testament, and God had said, I'm going to make you the father of nations. I'm going to make of you a great nation. And he's kind of the father of the Jewish people. So he was like big time in the Jews' eyes in the Jewish culture. And they said, you really say if, 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 if people keep your sayings and listen and obey you that they'll never see death? Abraham is dead. The prophets are dead. And, and so what do you even say? Who do you think you are is what they're saying. In verse 54, Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet have ye, yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know I'm not, I shall be a liar like unto you. He's like, I'm, if I say I don't know God, I'm, I'm a liar just like the rest of you. But I know him and I keep his saying. I obey him. Verse 56. Your father Abraham, Jesus is speaking to the people, by the way. Remember, they love Abraham. The Jewish people love Abraham. They look up to him. He's like their guy that, that yes, died thousands of years before. But they're like, Abraham, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Verse 57. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? So just think of what's going on here. The people here, they love Abraham. They know their Old Testament history. They know the covenant history and Abraham, uh, you know, and all the promises of God. And you, you talk about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, they're still waiting for the Messiah that was promised by the prophets. And Jesus is here saying, listen, your, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Jesus had already told them he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God who was God. And they just refused to acknowledge it, refused to believe it. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He looked forward to it. Abraham, Abraham looked forward to the promise of the Messiah one day. He said he was glad. And the people, they re, it's almost like they know what he's saying, but they, they want to hear him say it clearly. Kind of like... Well, Abraham, you know, you're not even 50. How could you know Abraham? Abraham has been dead for hundreds of years. So how could he see your day? And this is what Jesus says. Now, you have to think about the, relig the religiosity at this time and how serious they were about these things. Someone claiming to be the Messiah. In verse number 58, Jesus said unto them, after they said, you're not even 50 years old, how, do you, how have you seen Abraham? Verse 58, Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Whew. And you can see how the people reacted. They didn't say, oh, you're the one. That's great. Verse 59, then took they up stones to cast at him. And this isn't just little pebbles. They're, they're, they're going to kill him. 
They're going to kill Jesus for saying that he is God. That's what he's saying. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus hid himself, went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. It wasn't the time yet. It wasn't Jesus' time yet to be crucified and to give his life for the sins of the world. But they were mad because Jesus claimed to be God. Jesus, Jesus identified himself as the great I am. He said, before Abraham was, I am. I've always been around because I'm God. I'm the Messiah, the Son of God, who is God. And I'm going to say, as a Christian church, that's a truth you must know and believe, that Jesus is God. He wasn't just a rabbi or a great teacher or just the Son of God. He was God. He is God. And he said he was so clearly, before Abraham was, I am. I am. Earlier in the chapter, he says this. We went over these verses a little while ago, a couple weeks ago. He said to the Jews, then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he said, whither I go, ye cannot come. Jesus had said, you know, he had just talked, and they just weren't make, making sense of it. Verse 23, and he said unto them, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, and I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. You see, I underlined and italicized the word he there, because when the if you have a Bible with you, or even a Bible app, you'll look at this scripture and you'll see that the word he is italicized. The rest of it isn't. And what that italicization, I think is the word, but that word being italicized, what that means, that when the translators translated the Bible into English, they added that word. They added that word, he. So if you take that word out, because the translators were not the ones who wrote the Bible, they just translated it. And what the scriptures are saying is that this, this word he was added after the fact. It's in italics. It's added by the translators. So the reading really originally says, If ye believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. Jesus was telling them that he was God. He is the great I am. Now what does that mean for you and me today? We're going through the Gospel of John to look at the life of Jesus, but not just for a history lesson. Not just so that you can walk out and saying, hey, now I know what Jesus said to the, to the religious leaders in John chapter 8. Uh, this isn't like a, a, a class. I want to leave you with someone that, that's going to, to help you. There was a theolo theologian from hundreds and hundreds of years ago that, that said this about I am. And I want to read it to you. It's very old English. But I want to read it to you and, and listen to the words as, as he talks about the I am. I am. He doth not say, I am their light, their guide, their strength or tower, but only I am. He sets his hand, as it were, to a blank, that his people may write under, under it what they please that is good for them. As if he should say, are they weak? I am strength. Are they poor? I am all riches. Are they in trouble? I am comfort. Are they sick? I am health. Are they dying? I am life. Have they nothing? I am all things. I am wisdom and power. I am justice and mercy. I am grace and goodness. I am glory, beauty, holiness, eminency, supremacy, perfection, all sufficiency, eternity. Jehovah, I am. 
Whatever is amiable in itself or desirable unto them, that I am. Whatever is pure and holy, whatsoever is great and pleasant, whatsoever is good or needful to make men happy, that I am. The great I am, church. That's your Jesus. He's the Lord of what is. Say with me, church. What is simply is. Someone once said that it's insane to resist what is. Wishing or wanting it away doesn't change what is, what's happening right now. I want to help you this morning with something. I want, I want to help you. So this is for you. This is for me, church. Let's, let's stay with me. We're, we're almost through. I told you we're almost through. Many of us struggle with powerful negative emotions like guilt, shame, fear, anxiety that threaten to overwhelm us and overwhelm our souls. But few of us realize that emotions, these emotions involve living either in the past or in the future. You see, guilt and shame come out of our past. They come from things we have done or failed to do or things that have been done to us. Abuse, besetting sin, failed attempts at success. And we have this shame that we carry from things in our past. Even if it was just yesterday. Guilt, shame come from our past. Fear and anxiety come from the future. What we do is we project a bad outcome uh, uh, into the future, and then we live today as if it's already reality. That's what fear and anxiety can do to us. We worry. How am I going to figure this out? What am I going to do? Uh, where am I going to go? How is this going to fix? And we, we project a bad negative outcome through fear onto the future. And by the way, I want you to just pause and say this. I'm not talking about anxiety in a way that where you, you need to have medication or seek therapy. I'm not talking about them. I'm not belittling that at all. At all. In fact, I'll encourage anybody struggling with anxiety to talk to somebody and things like that. But fear and anxiety come from the future. Fear. And when we start from the past or from the future, we're always starting from the wrong place. We're always starting from the wrong place. And that's why it's so beautiful that the gospel, on the other hand, the gospel is a powerful call to stay in the now, the present. Why? Because the great I am is the Lord of what is. Amen. What's going on right now in your heart? What's going on right now in your life, in your circumstances, in your family, in your situation? He's the great I am, the Lord of what is, and the gospel of Jesus Christ calls us to stay and live in the now. Our present circumstances, whatever they are, whatever we're facing right now, constitute what is. Whether it's in relationships or in jobs or in life or in your heart, whatever, it's what is right now. Health difficulties, addictions, whether right or wrong, whether we want to be there or not, the fact remains we are simply there. We're in it now. You're dealing with it now, in the present. You woke up this morning and guess what? You exist in the now. You sit here today in these comfy chairs in the now. With all your baggage, with all your shame and guilt, we're in the now. 
We are simply there. Second Corinthians six two says, "I tell you, now is the time. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We're living in the now. We can't. We can't. We can't live based on the past. By the way, I've done it." I've let guilt rule me. I've let shame become like a cancer to me that grows and destroys. I've also been that guy that fears the future, lets anxiety cripple me. But God calls us to live in the now. You see, we never experience anything except in the now, in the present. We can remember things from the past. And we can anticipate things in the future, but we can only actually experience things in the present. Guilt and shame and fear and anxiety, those paralyze us, don't they? They paralyze us. And unless we begin to gain control of them through the grace of Christ, we will never respond to life in a meaningful way. Jesus, the great I am, the Lord of what is, said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, burdened, struggling, tired, hurt, and I will give you rest. The rest is for now, church. It's for now, and it's where we should start. Not in the past, and not in the future, but in the now. Jesus is ready and willing. Jesus is ready and willing to be everything you need. He is waiting for you to just receive Him and receive His grace and receive His love. You see this, guys? This is it. You fill in the blank. I am. What do you need, church? What are you lacking? And he'll be that for you. He'll be that for you. To be honest, church, I felt pretty weak lately, personally. The stresses of life are real for each one of us, isn't it? I gotta find a place to live by the end of April. Not that easy on the Cape right now, is it? My son Seth just turned 10. Still in ABA, still trying to get him to communicate, and it's a challenge. I'm working full time, trying to, and at the same time, trying to get this church. But there's a lot of heaviness in life. I'm with you, church. Just because I stand up here doesn't mean I'm any better or stronger than you. I'm a mess just like the rest of us, right? But he said, I am. That's his name. Jehovah God. I am. For your now, for my now. Whatever we need him to be, he'll be. Some of you have come today weak, 
You've come today and you've barely made it. You've barely made it to the house of God. You barely made it through worship. And you're sitting here and you're like, I got nothing left to give. He says, I'm your strength. I am your strength. You feel like you can't even breathe. He says, I am your breath. You're not satisfied. You can't fool. He says, I'm the bread of life. He says that in the gospel. I'm the bread of life. You need guidance. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do next. He says, I'm the light of the world. I'll guide you into all truth. You feel alone, neglected. He says, I'm the good shepherd that takes care of the sheep, that goes after the, law, the one lost sheep and leaves the 99 to find you. You feel stuck. You feel like you have no purpose. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. I can breathe new life into your soul. You're lost. You're without hope. You don't know God. There's no hope for heaven for you. And you know what Jesus says? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's the great I am, church. Believe on him today. And let him be what he needs to be for your life from this day forward. Amen. Jesus said it to those people back then as he talked and said, before Abraham was, I am. And they didn't like it. Hey, I love to hear him say that in my life. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Maybe today you are weak and you are struggling and you are wondering what it is that God wants from your life. What it is that God is calling you to do. You say, I got nothing left. He's your strength, church. We're in the now. You're now. I am blank. What is it that you need? Right now, call out to him from your seat in the quietness of the moment. Say, Lord, I'm weak and you can be my strength. Please be it. Lord, I'm lost, but you can be my guide. Hey, you can say, I'm lost. I don't know where I'll go when I die, but I want you to be my savior. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned. But whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He can be your savior today. He can be your savior today. He, he wants to have a relationship with you. Say, I'm lost. I don't know what my eternity holds. When I die, I don't know where I'm going to go. God said, hey, I can, I can show you where you're going. If you trust in me, believe on the Son of, of God, Jesus Christ, that he's the great I am. He died on the cross for you. He gave his life for you. He shed his blood for you. And there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ to save you from hell, to give you a home in heaven, to give you uh, peace here on earth. That's who he is. The battle belongs to him. Man, lay that fear at his feet. Don't live in guilt or shame of the past. No, don't start from there. Hey, don't start from fear and anxiety in the future. No, you're in the now. He's the great I am. The great I am. Give your heart to him this morning. Give your cares to him. Give your casting all your care upon him for he careth for you is what the scriptures say. He will always be enough for you. God, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for being the great I am. Show us what we need.
Show us where we lack. Change our lives by your grace. We love you. Thank you for loving us unconditionally. Bless these people. I speak the name of Jesus over them this morning. I plead the blood of Christ over them this morning. If there's someone that's not saved, that doesn't know you, would you help them to give their heart to you today? And those who carried a burden in, help them to leave it at Calvary this morning. Doesn't mean we won't hurt. Doesn't mean we won't sorrow. But you give peace in the sorrow. You give sunshine in the rain. That's the God you are for our now. We love you. In your precious and holy name, we ask for all these things. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.